This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Whole Plant Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, Hopeland family? So stoked to be here with you this morning. Um, And here we go. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the worship. And here we go. We're going to jump into the word here. We're in part two. We took a little pause for Mother's Day for all the mamas out there uh, uh, this past Sunday. But today is part two of Recycle, Repurpose. And we're going to dive into this today. Um, Let me pray for you, Father. I thank you for everybody joining with us today and and hearing uh, the word of God. Uh, Lord, we we thank you, Father, for this privilege, this opportunity. Uh, God, what a privilege it is to sit at your table, to hear from heaven, Lord, to receive uh, the word of the Lord, to receive, uh, Lord, spiritual impartation by way of the Holy Spirit. God, breathe on this word, anoint these lips of clay. Uh, God, and Lord, grant unto me your anointing in your grace so people are actually and authentically ministered to today because of who you are, God, and not because of me. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, we're gonna uh, jump right back into this. So remember, like the big idea, the big thought this month for us as a community is this, is God will take you as you are where you are, and who you are, all right? And he will make something great of you in your life. This is what God does. This is all over the scriptures, pretty much every narrative that God, um, when God touched a person, this is what happened, okay? He took them where they are, okay? Uh, uh, Took them as they are and who they are, and he made something great of them and their life, okay? So what are we gonna talk about today? We're gonna talk about um, that part of God making us great. We talked about a couple weeks ago about redemption and just the heart of God towards us and that he redeems, he restores. Y'all remember, he renews. Um, so, so where does our part to play in this? Like, where does it, where does it reach us? Where do, how do we become a co-laborer with God in this, okay? And so he's gonna make us something great but, um, but there are conditions to that outcome. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, look at somebody and tell them there are conditions, okay? There are conditions, all right? And so just as a reminder, our vision as a church, right? We, Hopeland Church, this local church, we exist so that you can encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and go change your world. Here it is, I'm gonna say it again. We exist as a church. Anything and everything we do comes from these, this, this, this vision. Everything we're doing, we, we, we just, this is what it is, okay? Um, we exist. Whole Plant Church exists so that you can encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and go and change your world, all right? And so this series, if you were to look at our vision and say, what part of our vision is this? I would say it is all about walking in freedom. It's one thing to encounter God. It's another thing to live a life that is befitting the dignity of the King of Kings. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, so this is all about walking in freedom. You gotta walk it out. 
All right, look at the person next to you and tell them, walk it out. Now walk it out, right? Walking it out, okay? Uh, that, that, that's what this is all about. So, so you know, this, this message today is really about the free, freedom. Uh, freedom, walk, freedom is a walk, it's a walk. We walk in the spirit, is that right? We walk in love, okay? And, and so it is a process um, and, and this is the path of spiritual freedom is walking with God, okay? And so the cost, okay, I'm gonna get into the scripture here, but I kinda wanna just lay a good foundation here. The cost to grow spiritually is not too high, okay? I wanna encourage you, it's not too high. It's not, a, it's not even, I wouldn't even say, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's not unreachable, and it's not too high, and it's not too much, but it is total, okay? It's a total cost. It is everything, you know? The old preachers used to say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, okay? Um, God doesn't do halfway, right? He is all, right? One of the uh, the descriptions in the, in the scripture about him and it's referenced in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that he's an all-consuming fire, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, so God doesn't half step. He doesn't do half step. He doesn't, he doesn't do halfways. He's an all consuming fire. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, and so, so that's what I say. It requires complete and total surrender in every area. Okay. It requires complete and total surrender in every area. If you want to, if you want to mature and grow and walk in freedom, it requires complete and total surrender in every facet of our life. It touches everything, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all. That's everything. That's mental, social, emotional, economic, financial, relational, home, work, leisure. He is Lord of all. I want him in every aspect, every aspect of my being, of my life. I want him everywhere at all times. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I think people love the notion that God will never leave you, but 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 I don't know if we've really invited him into every area of our life. Now, in a moment, we say that, right? We've said that. It's beautiful. It's it's a it's it's a it's a it's a profession of our faith. Jesus, be Lord of my life, right? Um, God, I give you everything. I'm sure we've all prayed that a time or two in our life. Lord, I surrender my life. Lord, I place it all on the altar. Uh, all on the altar. All of me is is. Is, is is yours and uh, Lord I, I give you everything right beautiful amazing that, that's the type of prayers we want to pray um, but how many of you know that's done in faith right that that really um, that, that there isn't this instant outcome that that actually happens because all of us know we've probably prayed that a number of times but there but in our walk there are moments where God puts his hand on something and we're like woo I have not truly, authentically surrendered that. This is the season, the moment, the timing of the Lord to surrender this specific thing. So I want to encourage you, though we may pray those prayers in a moment, we progressively surrender over time. Is that right? Isn't that right? Because if it really happened all in that moment, right, we, we would have no need to mature. We, we would have arrived. So, so, so we, we profess that. We, we, we declare that to God. And I believe those moments of faith when we are saying, God, I surrender all. 
um, that's an invitation for him to start working on some things, right? Different areas of our soul and our life and our relationships and our marriage. Okay. And so, so even look at, uh, we're, we're, we're going to, I'm going to just talk a couple more moment minutes here. Okay. And then we're going to jump to the scripture, but I just, like I said before, I want to lay a foundation here, but some people, um, they, they, they want to grow in the Lord. And so they, they want to just learn, have more uh, Bible literacy, which is great. And it's amazing. And that's something I personally am still on a journey of walking out. And I love, I'm personally in, in the process personally of just studying early church history where, where you're looking at um, second, third, fourth century, right? And just what was going on there and, and the, and the canon, canonization of the scriptures when the when the when the scriptures were canonized, they were, the canon was sealed to to um, to create a boundary around heresy getting in the church. So that the early church fathers and community there sealed the scripture. Uh, uh, you know, so that anyway, I, I I'm doing that right, but um, but if that's all I'm doing, I, I'm not going to grow because spiritual growth is comprehensive. Okay, this is what we're going to get into. Spiritual growth just isn't Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge is a piece and a part of it, and it is important, but it is not everything because it is possible to have a, a knowledge of the scripture, a knowledge of church history, and be extremely and uh, problematically immature spiritually, okay? So it is a piece, but the way God works is in every facet. It's not just the knowledge part of things. It is behavior. It is relationship. It is surrender. It is that he desires that my whole spirit, soul, mind, will, and emotions, and body are preserved blameless unto his coming. So, so as we jump into the scriptures, what I want you to do is turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, okay, says this. If you're there, say, I got it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? And this is the thing, is when we encounter God and God begins to walk with us and us with him, and he begins to um, bless us and grace us and touch our life supernaturally by his spirit and his word, beautiful. Um, he begins to deal with us. There's areas of our life that we need to work on and allow him to work on and get delivered of things and get free of things and mature and grow and, 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 and all that good stuff. And so when it comes to recycle, repurpose, it's those areas of our life he wants to touch, right? That, that are broken, that are, that are not put together, that are out of order, right? That are, or it could be a thought. It could be a, it could be a mindset. It could be an ideology. It could be, it could be a bias, right? It could be, it could be something so ingrained in us that it is culture. It's not Christ. Am I right? Now, uh, it, whatever it might be, 
Um, they, I, I didn't have a really strong um, family, okay? So um, that wasn't, um, I come from a, 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 a family that there was a lot of hurt and turmoil and just, um, you know, abuse and, you know, it just wasn't a place I wanted to be. So when I got saved, there wasn't um, uh, like strong bonds in my family, even, you know, that, that were, you know, it was like I was there, but I wasn't there. So I adopted a lot of my mindset towards life, people, um, God, humanity, politics, whatever you want to call it, believe it or not, it was from the skateboard culture of the 80s and 90s. So that is, when I look back, there are things God has walked me through in freedom um, because of the hurt of my family. But I would say that when I got saved, there were just mindsets that were cultural, not Christ. And in walking with God, um, we've got to look at the word of God and in prayer and really, here's my first point, is take the shame off of your condition, all right? Because when we come to God, there's areas of our life, it's in a condition that is um, broken down, it's not right, it's pride, it's self, it's, it's, it, it might be more uh, victimized things like abused, uh, forsaken, abandoned, um, insecure, um, or, you know, so whatever, just pick a, pick a, pick anything. And there, there it is. Like Jesus has saved you. You've encountered him, but these areas are strongholds. Okay. So, and God's like, man, I want to recycle that and I want to repurpose it. Okay. For, and God's saying, you know, for his glory. And so the reason I want to share that verse in this point here is because our starting point at times, if I can be honest with you, can be shameful because the condition isn't nothing to celebrate. Whether it's something that people would look at and go, ooh, wow, that's nasty, or that, look, oh, wow. Or um, it could be something that God does not celebrate because it's based on pride or or it's 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 not it's not Christ exalting, it's humanistic. It's, you know, what, whatever. So, so this is the point though. First John 1, 9, we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so how do I take the shame off of my condition is be real about the condition. Okay. This, I, I mean, confession um, is, is, a, is, I believe it's a lost art in this day and age. Okay, because we associate it with shame, but no confession takes off the shame. Uh, confession exposes the devil. Confession is 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 a process that that brings us into humility. Confession is a humbling thing. Confession is beautiful. Confession is powerful. Confession is required if we want to walk in freedom. If we want this thing to be recycled and repurposed for God's glory. So this word confession in the Greek. It's, it's, it's homo legeo. Now, this is a powerful word in the Greek, okay? Homo legeo, homo legeo, okay? 
it, it means to speak the same thing. This is so powerful, to speak the same thing. Like, what, what do you mean, speak the same thing? I'll explain. Thank you for asking. Um, it means to come into agreement with the truth, okay? Confession, by definition, and is, is, is that you are agreeing with the reality. When we struggle with confession, we keep ourselves in shame. Why? Because the reality is there is an issue. The truth is there is sin. The truth is you are hurt. The truth is you are in pride. The truth is you are standing and, and, and you, are, you are wrapping your identity around something other than Christ. That is the truth. The truth from God in the spirit realm. The truth is this thing must be confessed because it is the pathway to forgiveness, to cleansing, and to freedom. The, the shame continues when we refuse to agree with the truth in an area of our life. That's not one of my points, but you might want to write it down, okay? Shame will continue if we refuse to confess and agree with the truth of where we truly are. Number one, take the shame off your condition. Take it off. Confess. Take it off. Take it off. Deal with it there. Don't hide in the shame. Don't hide the shame. Don't allow your pride or your insecurity or, or your fear or, or your, your fear of vulnerability, your fear of being open, your fear of being honest. Don't allow anything to get in the way of confession, all right, to agree with the truth. And basically, it's saying, here it is. This is what confession is. It is you willingly saying what God already sees. Okay, he sees it, but we play a part in our freedom here, right? If we want to recycle what is broken, busted, hurt, twisted uh, in our life, whatever that might be, if we want what is torn down to be rebuilt and restored and renewed, we must confess. All right, and in this context, it's talking about to God, okay? And that's where confession begins, all right? That's where it begins, that, that God, this is what's really going on. God, this is what's real. God, this is what it is. When we humble ourselves before God, he will never shame us. I'm gonna say it again. When we humble, he never shames us. He doesn't shame us. God does not shame us. He died for us. His blood will wash us. But confession is how we access what he did for us on that cross. You can't access and experience and walk in what Jesus did on the cross without confession, all right, without confession. Confession isn't beating yourself up. Confession is getting yourself free, all right? Confession isn't shaming yourself. Confession is taking the shame off, okay? Look at you cannot heal from what you refuse to be honest about. You cannot heal from what you refuse to be honest or truthful about. You cannot heal from it. You cannot heal from it. You cannot heal from it, okay? You cannot heal from it. If I have some kind of ailment in my body and I don't tell my wife, I won't go to the hospital. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the hospital. I don't like going. I don't like going. It interrupts my time. I feel like it's a waste of time, right? It's a waste of time. But if I don't confess, if I'm not like, hey, you know, my shoulders hurt me, babe. You know what I mean? I'm, all those years skateboarding, you know what I mean? If, if, I don't, if I don't at least go get it checked out, you know, it could get worse. Somebody say, take the shame off. 
Take the shame off. Take the shame off. So, you know, Jesus said, right? In the book of John, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's your knowledge of the truth. Uh, it's your honesty with the truth. Know the truth. Be intimate with the truth. Be like, man, this is what's really going on. I got a pride issue. Man, I got a manipulation issue. Man, I I got, I, 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 I'm, wrapped, I, I'm in Christ. I, I'm, I'm walking with God. I got my Bible. But my identity is more wrapped in politics than it is Jesus. You got to be honest. Or my identity is more, more wrapped up in, um, in the culture of church than Christ himself. Or, or, or whatever it is. I don't know. It, it could be any, any other thing. But with, the point is to confess, to confess, to confess, all right? Be honest about what's going on under the hood, okay? It, you know, we, we got we, we to gotta be able to, to, to come to the Lord, to come to Jesus, and, and this isn't a one time. I think in, in our, in our culture, like we look at repentance, like it happened when we got saved. And, and I, I believe, uh, you know, even that repentance is, is literally a part of our journey with God, that we are turning to him again, that we are returning to him, that this area of my life, God, I turn to you with this. I come to you with this. I, I believe repentance ought to be a daily thing. It's not like, oh, I'm a horrible sinner. I'm a horrible this. I'm, a, I'm not talking about beating yourself up. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a um, humanistic process of, 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 of self-worship and, and self, uh, depre or self-deprecation. This is not about self. This is about God. I return to him. I, I'm returning. I, um, God, my life is yours. God, this area, Lord, I confess it. I am saying, God, what you are already seeing. I want to say what God sees, all right? I want to say what God sees. You got to take a look underneath the hood and ask that question. You know, what am I working with? What am I really working with? Let's take a look under the hood. So with respect to um, coming to God, right, confessing, being honest, uh, uh, being real. Um, my, my little brother, um, he is super smart. He's about uh, seven years younger than me. Uh, I'll give you a quick history of him. I'm gonna brag on him a little bit. Uh, he grew up in just not too far from, from our church here. Uh, he grew up in LA County here, but he grew up in Montebello, uh, went to um, a private school called Bosco Tech. And um, it, it, he's, my brother's super intelligent. Okay, so he went and he was part of a five-year program. It was literally at the school, there was a five-year program. So when he graduated from high school, he had got an associate's degree. Literally comes out of high school with an associate's degree. So uh, pretty smart, right? And, and then in that school, it's, it's almost, it's like this kind of college prep, college, uh, you know, just um, it's a more, it, it, they have focused things. So when you're in the school, you kind of focus. So he focused on um, automotive, Okay. And, um, and it, I think they're really known for their engineering, but he was like automotive. Right. So my, my mom, um, around this time, maybe a little before he really got involved in it. My mom was given this old 1984, uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass kind of all jacked up, kind of like, you know, it was a hoopty and, uh, my brother took it. My, he gave it to my brother and my, and through my brother's um, studies with school, he's just really intelligent. He literally broke the whole car down. And so um, if you looked at the car, 
when he got it. I mean, um, I, uh, there's a picture of him and he's literally like standing in the hood of the car. Like there's nothing in it stripped it. I mean, it's all rusted. I mean, it looked pretty bad. So, so, so even in the process of, uh, recycle, uh, repurpose. He had to be honest about the condition of that vehicle, right? He saw something great with that vehicle. He saw, and I believe God's looking at you and he sees something great in that area of our life. Sometimes we've got to be honest, man. This thing is broken down. It needs a new engine. It needs some work. It needs some attention. It needs some time. And so um, this is the paradox of faith. This is the conflict of faith that, that I see something far greater than what it is right now, but, but I got to be honest with where it is right now. I see something. I am believing for something. I have a picture of something that is far better than what it is now, but I got to be honest with where it is now. There it is. That, that is the conflict of faith, the paradox of faith. And so there it was. So, um, he obviously, um, um, applied himself, worked on it and all that good stuff. And, and it turned out to be something very um, amazing. Uh, but um, here's my second point, is, is give yourself to your growth, okay? Give yourself to your growth. Let's look at this verse. 1 Timothy 4.14, it says this, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. 1 Timothy 4.14 verse uh, 15, and then we'll read verse 16. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Here it is. Give yourself entirely to them. Okay, Paul's speaking to a young, a young man of God here, and he's like, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress, everybody say progress. Somebody say, give yourself to it. Say it again, say, I'm gonna give myself to this. Say it again, say, give yourself to your growth. Say this with me, say, I choose to give myself to my spiritual growth. It says here in the word, 1 Timothy 4.15, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress, your progress, 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 advancement. This word progress in the, in the Greek speaks of, it's a, it's a word used for a pioneer. It literally means to chop, to chop through. That's what it means. And it has, a, there's a picture to this word of a pioneer chopping through, clearing out a forest to get to the destination. What does that involve? Forward progress, giving themselves to it. It requires their action. My brother had to get up in that hood and he literally put every piece into that vehicle. Okay. It was rusted. It was busted. It was, it, you would, you would look at that and be like, man, you got your work cut out for you, man. You got some work to do. All right. He gave himself to it in, you know, this was, um, you know, he, and all of his schooling and what he learned and he gave himself to this. We got to give ourselves to that. We got to be honest, man. What's underneath the hood of this thing. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to, I'm going to apply the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in right relationships. I'm going to get around the right people. I'm going to consistently get in community with other believers. Okay. So give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16, take heed to yourself. There we go. Take heed. Don't worship yourself. Don't beat up yourself. Don't focus um, on yourself where it becomes this unhealthy thing and you're you're depressed and in an anxiety and all jacked up because you're just looking at yourself. No, no, don't, don't, don't get weird about it, but take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. I love this, yourself and the doctrine. 
Why? Because sometimes believers are, even Christ followers, you're looking too much at yourself. Be honest about it. But that's why I love this verse, six, verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. What is that saying? Take heed to yourself. Take a look at yourself. Evaluate yourself. And look at the word. Okay? Not just yourself. And not just spiritualize everything, but not really look at yourself. It's both. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Evaluate yourself and get in the word. Be honest about yourself and worship. Be honest about yourself and give God praise. Be honest about yourself and, and serve other people. Here it is. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue. Continue in them. Everybody say continue. All right. Continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Check it out. Nothing grows without effort. Can I get an amen? Success requires sacrifice. Can I get an amen? Maturity. Maturity demands your attention. It demands your attention, focus, and effort. That, that, that is maturity, right? This verse is it, right? It's saying it all right here. Give yourself entirely to them that you would progress. Take heed to yourself. Continue in that. Somebody say nothing grows without effort. Say this with me. Success requires sacrifice. All right? We want to progress. We want to advance. All right? Here it is. My next point. Here it is. Celebrate before you get there. You got to celebrate along the way. You got to rejoice in, along the way. All right. You got to rejoice along the way. Psalm 71. All right. Here it is. Verse 14 and 15. But but I will hope continually. Right. I'm going to pursue growth, but I'm going to hope too. I'm not just going to get all worked up with where I am. I'm going to be honest with where I am and I will praise you yet more and more. Okay. I'm a, But I will hope continually and I will praise you more and more. Verse 15. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness in your salvation all the day. You gotta, you gotta praise before you get there. You gotta praise before it happens. You gotta worship before the outcome. You gotta, you gotta learn how to celebrate before that thing happens. You gotta celebrate before you get the raise. You gotta give God praise before you get the breakthrough. You gotta worship God before you, 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 you get through this. You gotta do it in the middle. You gotta praise him in the middle of it. You got to praise him now. You know what I'm saying? You got to learn how to stand in the condition of where you are and say, man, I got some work to do. Um, God's working on me, but I'm not going to wait to get better uh, before I give God praise, before I rejoice, before I'm joyful. I'm going to do it right now. Amen. I'm going to learn how to be content with where I am. All right. This is how you bring God into your human condition, right? This is how you do that. My human condition is contrary to his divine condition. But the, I, when I praise him, he will, the divine person, God, will inhabit my human condition, right? When I give him praise, he inhabits the praises of his people. Here we go. Philippians chapter four. Okay. Verse 11. I'm going to start in verse 11, read to verse 12. Now that I speak, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. All right. Everybody say the word content. I know how to be abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I've learned to be content. You got to be content in the process. We can, by God's grace, if we learn to give him praise, we will learn to be content 
before the outcome. We will learn to be content with where we are. Look, social media does not pr promote contentment. If, if social media is messing with your mind and your emotions and your outlook, you need to shut it down. Get up, get out of there. Get out of there. All right. Okay. Social media promotes comparison, jealousy, and envy. Okay. It fuels, it can fuel soul ills. Okay. Uh, but contentment, contentment. I've learned to be content in the state I'm in. All right. All right. I am working on where I am. I am working with God. Okay. But I'm content in God in my condition. I'm content in him, okay? I'm working on it. I'm getting out of this, but I'm gonna give God praise in the middle of it, okay? One more verse on contentment. Hebrews 13, five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm gonna read it again. Hebrews 13, five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. All right? Don't let it happen. Don't let it. Why? We got to fight that off. We got to fight. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you from here until Jesus comes, we got to keep, we got to keep guard uh, with jealousy, uh, uh, covetousness, right? Um, uh, comparison, all those. And it says, be content with such things as you have. We got to learn how to just sit in where we are and say, thank you, Lord, for where I am. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This word content, this is good. I'm going to read this definition here. It means to be enough, to be enough, to be enough, thankful. Right here, this is enough. Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna keep pressing. I'm gonna keep pushing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep praising God. I'm, I'm gonna keep going forward. I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna be honest about my condition. I'm gonna take the shame off of my condition. I'm gonna work on it, but I'm gonna be content in it. I'm gonna be content in it, in God. I, this is what it means, the word content in the, in the Greek here. I'm sufficient in God right now. I'm sufficient. God is enough for me right now. God is enough for me right now, where I am right now, okay? This is so good. It also means this. It's also this kind of aggressive word. It has this, this, this reference to, to kind of um, contentment, almost being like a guard, okay? So, so it's the ability to, this is by definition, the ability to ward off or defend ourselves from the temptations of the world. Basically, contentment is an aggressive word, believe it or not. And it means that we posture ourselves in such a way that when covetousness tries to get in our heart, when jealousy, comparison in our mind or whatever, that this contentment is something in us, in Christ, in God, that says, I don't need that. I, 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 in the name of Jesus, I don't need that. I, I ward that off. I defend myself. I am, God is enough right now in the name of Jesus, right? All right, it, it, we can't passively just sit around. Contentment is more of an active word, believe it or not. It's, it's the ability to ward off and to defend ourselves from, from, from worldly lusts of comparison, jealousy, idolatry, covetousness, okay? Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a healthy way to do it. The healthy way to do it, uh, maybe just a practical way to do this. Think about how far you've come and start thanking God, uh, thanking God. Um, so, you know, go back some years, go back 10 years and then just walk through your history slowly and start thanking God uh, the whole way through your past until you get to your present, right? 
that go, go back, just go back and say, man, thank you, Lord, for delivering me of that. Thank you, Lord, for taking me out of that. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me there. Thank you, Lord, for giving me favor there. Thank you, Lord, for opening the door there. Thank you, Lord. 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 Come on now. If you, if you can be thankful with what he's brought you through your past, you can be content in your present. If you can thank him, thank him for what he has done and you will be content with where you are, okay? Be, be, to be content today, you must practice thankfulness, okay? Here it is, next point, last point, here it is. Trust God and his grace. What do I mean by that? Is be able to, this goes along with contentment, be able to rest in the fact that, um, that God's not done with you. Okay, all right. You even this was years ago. My brother uh, built out this um, this old Oldsmobile Cutlass, rusted, busted. God, I mean, he put the whole engine in it, all the electrical. He literally did it himself. Okay, um, he's a smart dude, but he applied. He literally built this car. All right, um, paid the money, um, and he was young, young adult. Paid the money, literally built it. And that man, that thing is nice, it's black, sleek, got some dope rims on it. He's now you, some of you that know cars, you, you you'll know that this is this is no joke. He literally has 500 horsepower in this vehicle, right? Now, I'm not going to talk about the fact that it won't pass the emissions because of how much horsepower is in it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but the point is uh, that. He applied himself to this vehicle, man, brought it from literally nothing to, to such uh, an amazing, it's a beautiful car. It is beautiful, right? And I was just texting him the other, the other week and he was saying, this is years in the making now. He's had this car built already for years. And he told me, I'm still not done with it, right? I'm still not done with it. So we need to learn how to trust God and his grace where we are and that God's gonna continue it. Here we go. James chapter one, verse four. James chapter one, verse four. It reads, but let patience have its perfect work. Somebody say, be patient. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, right? God's continuing the work in you. This is my last verse. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here it is, verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, right? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That God, what God started, he, he's not done. He's still working on you. You know, um, you know, the Bible says, you know, in Philippians chapter one, he who began a good work and will complete it. Hebrews chapter 13. Okay. I, I'm not quoting these um, specifically, but Hebrews 13, um, you can, you can go there later if you want, but verse 20, 21, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us complete, make us perfect in every good work to do as well. Working in us, working in us, what is well-pleasing in his sight. God has begun a work in you and he's going to complete it. All right, be encouraged. God's not done with you. He's still working on you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will not forsake the work of his hands in your life. If you are not saved, you have not confessed Christ 
to be Lord of your life, this is your moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you would just simply repeat this prayer after me, say, Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I take the shame off of my condition and I confess my sin. I am a sinner. I've done wrong. Forgive me. Wash away my unrighteousness. Wash away the guilt of my sin. I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. And I am justified in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. I am rejoicing with you. Uh, We as a community are rejoicing with you. Angels, the Bible says, are rejoicing when one sinner turns and repents and gives their life to to the Lord. And if you want to grow in your walk with God, I want to send you a digital um, devotional. It's like a little Bible study. We will text it to you. Simply text the word grow to 323-405-3232 and we will send that to you. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result of what you've heard today. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.